Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. First need for diversification is a top consideration for only 30% of investors, free zero. So again, it does not match with a risk consideration for 48%. So 48% of people say, well, I'm worried about risk and only 30% of people say, I understand and I know that I need to diversify. G'day and welcome back to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello. My guest today is Dr. Laura Rusu, the founder and CEO of Lensol, a fintech that aims to democratise access to financial and non-financial corporate performance information, helping people to make better decisions with data-driven insights. Hi, Laura. Hi, Phil. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Oh, thanks very much for coming on. So we're going to be talking a little bit about risk and diversification today. What, in your opinion, is a definition of risk? Well, uh, to put it simply, I think risk is how much you could lose when markets fluctuate. Of course, every investor wants to see their investment uh, having good return. Nobody wants to lose money. But in order for everyone to make money, it would mean that markets would need to go up all the time, which is not realistic. So markets move daily in a natural manner, uh, as millions of people and institutions buy and sell of the market. And share price, of course, fluctuate, as we all know, which means some people make profits and some people have losses. Sometimes markets may go down altogether, as it happened last year with a COVID crisis in March. And that is a systemic general risk, which is not expected to happen often. But these daily changes in share prices are expected to happen daily. So, For each company, it may be because of some earnings announcements or some less positive news about the company that the price will fluctuate. And when that happens for many companies, of course, the market overall will fluctuate. So for you as an investor, I guess the question is when prices go down, how much can you lose? Can you lose 5%, 10%, 20% of your money? So that is the risk, in my opinion. It comes back to share price volatility. And mathematically, of course, can be calculated at standard deviation from average return. And many people listening will probably know how to do that. But for those who don't know, there are tools that help calculate uh, that for you. And it's also something that um, people react emotionally to these movements. And while a share might go down 5%, 10%, you're only locking in the loss if you sell at that level. Yes, that is a very good point. People react to market movements when they don't know how that level of risk they take aligns with their expectations. 
So the risk means differently to different people. That's what I was going to ask you about. It Risk does mean different things to different people. And um, I guess that's something to do with the emotional reactions that they have as well. Yes, it's emotional reaction. And I think the emotional reaction comes from not knowing the level of risk that they take. So when you know the level of risk which you take with your overall you know, portfolio of investments and you know the range within your portfolio situated, then when the markets move up and down, of course, you are worried about the down part, when the markets move down, and if you know that your portfolio risk is pretty much in that range which you tolerate, then you are not so worried. You will not panic. You will not sell in a panic. But if you don't know where you are and how that change, 5%, 10%, what means for you, for your portfolio, of course, you, you will panic and you will think that is too much for you and you will sell and doesn't help. Investors really need to have been through some market fluctuations to really understand how they're going to react, don't they? And I guess that's part of how different people react to risk in different ways. Yes, it is a part, uh, I guess, matter of uh, experience as well as, as knowledge. So I think for many people, it comes to knowledge as well, especially for the new investors or newer investors. In my opinion, you don't necessarily need to wait 10 or 20 years to go through some big changes in the market like we had with, you know, great financial crisis or the COVID crisis uh, in order for you to see how you will react I think you should be prepared and plan in advance as much as possible. Of course, you cannot plan for everything and you cannot create very you know, solid expectations about what will happen in five years or so. But the more you know, the more you'll be confident in what you invest in and confident that it will stay relatively stable through different sorts of fluctuations. So I guess you've dealt with a lot of people who um, want to understand risk. In your experience, how can people fail to appreciate the risks they're taking? That is a fact, actually, which is uh, shown by different studies. Uh, I'm not sure if you looked at the ISEX investor study report from 2020 last year. It shows that 83% of investors are actually prepared to take only moderate, low or no risk at all. And if you look at these numbers, you'd think that not many Australian investors would be prepared to invest in risky assets. But the reality is quite different. The same study shows that Last year, 58% of Australian investors held direct shares and one in four Australians, 25% have invested or planned to invest in crypto in the near future. So we all know shares are volatile and cryptocurrencies are much more volatile. So it doesn't really match the level of risk people say they are prepared to take with the actions they do, I mean, what they actually do. And same report actually shows that while return is a top consideration for 65% of investors, the risk is a top consideration for only 48%. So less people consider the risk they take for the return they expect, which is not really, you know, normal. And I think that can be explained by either a lack of correct understanding of a risk-return relationship or, or together with these traits of desire to win and the fear of missing out. So people jump into the market or sell from, you know, as you said, panicking from different points without understanding the, that correlation between the risk and volatility and the return they expect. We cannot jump and invest a large amount of money into something which is very volatile unless you understand and accept that high level of risk. And part of managing risk is diversification. How do you find Australian investors understand 
the concept of diversification? I think many Australian investors don't really understand the concept of diversification correctly. And it was actually another study which found this before I <laughs> actually look at it. There is a study called Australian Financial Attitudes and Behaviour Tracker. You may know about it. It kind of runs from time to time. And the last one showed that only 40% of Australian investors understand this concept of diversification. And I saw this uh, being cited on the Financial Capability Initiative from the government as a matter of concern for the government. So by people not understanding this concept correctly, it means they cannot take steps to mitigate their risk. And I say mitigate, not reduce, because many people, I think, believe that diversifying you reduce the risk and you reduce your return as well, which is a, it's a myth. And... Um, the same ISX report, which I mentioned earlier, showed that this need for diversification is a top consideration for only 30% of investors, free zero. So, again, it does not match with a risk consideration for 48%. So, 48% of people say, well, I'm worried about risk, and only 30% of people say, I understand and I know that I need to diversify. And risk, portfolio risk without diversification do not go, you know, they should go together. You cannot have one of, without the other. It seems that many people don't understand the need to offset their losses and build this safety net through diversification. And there are some myths which I'd like to quickly mention here. Many people think that diversification will reduce the return. But that's not true. You can get excellent returns for low or medium level of risk. And this is what actually smart fund managers try to achieve with their products and their ETFs. They get a set of securities together in such a way with that combination which will get them a good return above a market or close to a market for a low level of risk. Another one is that diversification means you have to have a large number of securities. Again, that's not really correct. If you diversify into 10 securities and you have five of them banks, for example, it doesn't help with your diversification because they would behave in the same way. Similarly, for example, I saw many people buying into ETFs and they just buy into three, four, five ETFs and they think they are safe because each ETF may be diversified, but two ETFs may react in the same way to market changes. So again, don't make assumptions just based on, on numbers. And many investors, the superannuation that they hold is mirroring what's in these ETFs anyway, because it's all weighted to the large end of the ASN. Yeah, or it may mirror the actual portfolio they may have outside the superannuation. So it may be an overlap and you don't know. So there could be some big correlation there. Another very strong sort of myth I, I saw is that diversification is done just by you know, splitting your money into different asset classes, asset types. For example, for shares, you, you split it into different industry groups. Again, it's, it's a starting point, but it's not totally correct. You could have, let's say, the same four or five industry groups. But if you pick different companies from those groups, two investors with the same industry groups, they may pick different companies and have different level of risk and return expectations from those companies. And that's because just being a different industry groups does not mean that those companies are not correlated in some, some way. They may have some overlaps in business operations. They may be part of the same supply chain at some point. So again, it comes back to looking into the deep diversification, which I promote in a sense that you need to understand how correlated are your securities, not just the industry groups or asset types groups. That's really fascinating, Laura. 
Because you would think that if you were diversified across different asset classes, as well as um, different industries, that that would automatically give you some increased level of diversification. Have you got an example of what you're talking about here, about a, a portfolio that might not have the kind of diversification that the investor is actually expecting? I do have. It's a bit more difficult to explain verbally. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that would be much easier to see in a webinar or something. We can put a link um, in the show notes. Yes, yes. So I run a webinar at uh, ASA in June and also planning a, a free webinar, um, a public webinar in, in October. So we can put maybe the link. And I will have examples for all these uh, ideas we discuss today. And I can show another myth, for example, which I will also exemplify in the webinar is the 60-40 or the 100 minus your age sort of approach when it comes to investing in shares and bonds. Again, it's a starting point, but it's not necessarily the same for everyone because it comes back what you put in both 60-40 buckets or whatever groups you have. What it matters, in my opinion, and this is kind of what Matt say, is what you have in your portfolio, the quality of your investments, how correlated they are between themselves, you know, with each pair of security, and how do you allocate those money between those investments and how much you put in each. So these three things are actually important, the weights, the quality of investments, the return you expect from each, and the correlations between them. These three things will help you play with a risk and returns sort of scenario and find something which works for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So we're talking here about people and their existing portfolios and examining these portfolios, but when selling and buying holdings, an investor's position will change. And you also need to know where that's going to take you. What do you see about this? Yeah, so I think each buy and sell transaction will will change your portfolio allocation. So you'll have more or less of something if when you buy or sell a particular security. And portfolio allocation, this uh, kind of how much weight is in how much percentages in each of your investments, it's critical in calculating the level of risk and the return which you may expect from that entire portfolio. And uh, one thing, again, which people do not maybe realize all the time is that for even each set of securities that you have and you want to invest in, there is a huge number of potential positions. For example, just for two securities, let's say A and B, you can have 1% in A, 99% in B, 2% in A, 98% in B, and so on. So you have 99 potential ways of combining A and B. When you increase that to three uh, securities, A, B, C, 
then you have over 4,800 positions. And of course, as you increase more, you get to millions, actually. If you have a securities portfolio, for example, you have millions of positions because of all these potential combinations of weights. So it's not humanly possible to calculate the risk and return for each of those positions and look through them and analyze and choose the best one. It's just not possible. So you need the tools to help you with this. So speaking of tools then, tell us about Lensel and um, what you're offering in um, what we've been talking about in this interview so far. Yeah, so uh, uh, Lensel has developed a tool, an application called Diversiview, and it actually came from my own experience of needing to find a way to get all this information for myself as an investor. I'm also an ASA member. I could not find how to calculate my portfolio risk on any platform. I could not find how to look at the deep diversification and all this correlation between uh, securities on any platform. And I could not find a way of looking at this risk return potential positions so I can choose something which worked for me and my, my family. So I built this tool called Diversiview, which um, helps people uh, exactly with this, to check the level of diversification between their securities and look at them and see, is there something that holds me back from being more diversified maybe? Look at securities that have maybe similar returns but lower volatility or lower level of correlation so you can you know try different scenarios. And we also built into Diversity a tool called Balancer, which goes through all these millions of combinations for large portfolios and calculate that particular combination of weights, that particular position that gives the minimum level of risk or the maximum return for the minimum possible risk, which is called uh, optimal portfolio. As I said, it's not possible to do that by hand. I'm a computer scientist background and I could not you know, attempt to do that myself in Excel or in different other tools. So we had to build this very complex uh, algorithm which goes through all those potential positions and help you select that uh, position which may work for you. And again, it's a tool to support investors to make better decisions. That was my aim. It's not a tool to tell you invest in X or Y or Z. It's a tool to tell you this is where your portfolio sits. Are you happy with that? If you are happy, that's okay. If you are not happy, you may look at what you need to do to reduce your risk or increase your return or do both and have a kind of levers to play with and and, uh, find that scenario that works best for your own risk profile and expectations of return. So when an investor comes and has a look at Diversiview for the first time, what are they actually seeing? So... We built a very easy-to-use interface where you can simply put your securities. We cover all ISX-listed securities, including ETFs, of course, and bonds and others. And also we cover some cryptocurrencies because that's a topic which we probably should talk about a bit. So they see a very simple interface. They put their securities in, click a button, and then they get a diagram page with all this information. So they get information about uh, portfolio indicators, including uh, portfolio volatility, expected return, uh, sharp ratio, alpha and beta, which again tells the investor about the position compared to the entire market. Then they get high level um, allocation into industry groups and uh, allocation by market capitalization. And as I said, it's good, but it's not enough. So we also have a view of a deep diversification of a portfolio. They are able to see correlations between all securities in their portfolios, no matter how many they are. We have some uh, filters, so you can you know, filter through and 
look, for example, for those which are high correlations, which you may need to think about, you know, how to reduce those strong correlations. And uh, uh, at the end of a diagram page is also a option to go and calculate those uh, minimum risk portfolio and optimal portfolio. Again, click of a button, it will do all the work for you. For very large portfolio, it may take a few minutes, but it's really a complex uh, algorithm behind and it aims, as I said, to give this uh, information back to the user in a very easy and you know visual way so you can uh, assess what you may need to do in your portfolio. And uh, you mentioned cryptocurrencies, and one would think that this is a highly risky area and it would be very hard and very difficult to work out the level of risk, but um, you believe you've got something there? Well, cryptocurrencies are a different set of, uh, you know, let's say, securities in a sense that they have their own volatility, they have their own returns, of course. And what many people see is the high return you can get. And that's true because many people got high returns, especially last year as cryptocurrencies prices went up. But what people need to see, as we discussed earlier, is also the very high volatility of cryptocurrencies. So when you combine your existing portfolio of, let's say, ISX-listed securities, and you want to buy into cryptocurrencies, how do you know how much to buy so you can maintain a you know, reasonable level of risk, which you can tolerate, so you can sleep at night without being afraid of what will happen tomorrow if crypto. So again, it comes back to the same thing. How do you calculate portfolio risk? So you have that, you know, 1%, 2%, 5%, how much you can actually get so you have a realistic level of risk. You cannot just look at the return. And this is what many people do when they jump into crypto. Of course, it's a matter of trust as well in believing the future of kind of digital currencies. And I'm not saying it's wrong to invest in crypto. I'm just saying you need to calculate how much you can afford to have. And our tool also allows you to, to plug in any of the top 15 cryptocurrencies, starting with Bitcoin, of course, but many others. It will also look at their volatility and return. It will tell you how that portfolio behaves and what is your risk and where is your return. Same story as before, because that's another investment you choose to make and you need to pay the same level of attention as you pay with any other investment. So if uh, listeners want to find out some more, where should they go find out some more about Diversiview? So our um, website is https diversiview.online and uh, they can also, if they have any questions from this podcast or uh, relevant questions, they can always email us at hello at Diversity Online. I'm happy to connect with people on LinkedIn or any other social media and also answer their questions. And we have uh, the application itself it has a free trial. So you can try this tool for up to five securities and see how it looks, what it does. You can try the balancer as well for free in that free trial. So you can see and then think about how that can help you to to assess maybe a larger portfolio if you need. And as I mentioned earlier, there are many people who have ETFs portfolios and that works exactly in the same way. You can see how much you could allocate in, in each so you can get that level of expected return and risk that you want. Fantastic. Well, we'll put all those links in the, the episode notes so that uh, people can click directly. And um, Dr. Laura Rusu, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Phil, for uh, inviting me to this podcast. And I hope people could get some insights and knowledge from this uh, podcast. 
important, please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education, and they're not designed to provide financial advice, nor are they a recommendation to buy shares in the companies featured or discussed. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn.au if you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered.